Good morning again. Glad you all are with us. Good to be here. I was just thinking, you know, Leah had the the prayer list, and it's always interesting. Leah and I um, have had the opportunity uh, on occasional here and there to meet a handful of these missionaries that we sometimes see, or we've maybe went to school with them, or seminary, or or something. And it's always kind of neat to see that. This week, what struck me was the number of folks, and we see this that are initials only. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is when we've had conversations, we Lee and I have a dear friend serving in one of those places that when their birthday pops up, it's initials only um, for them to, to, we're praying for them. And it reminded me that that when we've had those conversations with those friends, it's not, hey, it's not about my safety. It's not about the missionary's safety they're worried about. I always find that interesting. They're like, look, if God wants me to be gone for his glory, God's going to make me gone for his glory. That's going to be God's deal, not mine. I'm not worried about my safety. I want my initials there when you pray because I'm worried about the safety of those that we've led to Christ and the mission that they're doing. And if they're tied to us, then their family could be in jeopardy, and we don't want that to happen for them. And I just thought that was kind of a sometimes a nice reminder as to why we do pray. It's, it's, it's bigger than that one individual missionary. It's, it's everyone that missionary is working with that we're, we're praying that goes out from there and that God watches over them as well. So just something to think about as we're, we're getting ready to look into Paul being a missionary himself, right? We're, Paul, I call this the Paul the missionary extraordinaire. There's, there's just a lot going on with what Paul is doing here. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along there. Let's go ahead and hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and holy apostles and prophets by the spirit this mystery is that the gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of this gospel i was made a minister according to the gift of god's grace which has been given me by the working of his power To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is in the plan, or what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Father, again, I just come to you thanking you so much for this time we have to to gather for this place that we have, that we can can gather and worship you in and, and to to sing your praises, and to acknowledge that you are God. 
Father, I pray that as we enter into our time of worship, that we, we worship you through the hearing and the response of your word, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would just continue to be glorified, that you would be, be edified through this, that you would be made known. Father, we're going we're gonna to dive in here, and, and I ask that you would just put me aside and that it be you, and that you would just speak clearly to us through your word today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, Paul's kind of taking an aside here at the church, in this letter to the church of Ephesus. He, he has this kind of a, a brief little side thought as he's going through. Now, we, we've read a lot of Paul, we've preached a lot of Paul, and we see that Paul tends to, to do this. This is kind of within his habit, that he'll be excited about something, and he'll be writing down, and then all of a sudden he'll, he'll kind of change his mind about something real quick, or he'll have a, oh, and by the way kind of moment. And this is kind of an, oh, and by the way kind of moment for Paul here. He takes this aside as he's writing it, and, and we know that Paul helped write or helped found this church, and we know that Paul was there for about three years, but he's been away now for some time, and he knows that there's new converts and new people and new believers that have been added to the church. And so he's trying to explain his calling and his ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles here at the church of Ephesus. And as he's doing this, this assures those Gentile believers that their share in the kingdom of God, their share of the kingdom inheritance is authentic because it has this divine origin, that it is of God and they have that because of God. And he, he elaborates on his call to ministry and his apostleship, and he sees it as a gift of God's grace, both to himself and to the Gentiles who have believed the gospel because of it. Now, Paul is an interesting life kind of, kind of person within Scripture. Right here, here he was, as, as Leah mentioned, as we were in our, our time of worship through song, that he was a Jew among the Jews, a, a Pharisee, a leader. He had studied under Galatiel, which one of the, one of the the high-ranking officials, and and he had he had had all the right credentials to be a Jew, and he was so much a Jew that he was persecuting the church, present at the stoning of Stephen, the the church's first martyr, and you know he he has this miraculous conversion. But all of our conversions from sinner to saint are miraculous. Paul's is just dramatic, right? There was not that none of them are. Anytime God redeems us, it's a miracle. Paul's is just a very dramatic. But in his in his ministry, Paul has suffered and he's been in imprisonment and he's been in home confinement several times for his service in Christ. His call was primarily to the Gentiles. And he would go to these Gentile regions. Ephesus, we've talked about, was, was a city where they had a huge, huge um, temple to the goddess Artemis, right? And Athena or, or whomever we, we think of in that, who she was. And, and Paul's going to them as he's, he's founding the church there and he's writing this letter to them. Paul was an apostle, a teacher, a preacher, and a missionary primarily to the Gentiles. So the sufferings he endured during his ministry worked primarily to benefit the Gentile believer not the Jewish believer. And he's talking about this grand mystery, right? The, the one of the grand mysteries of the gospel has, has now been revealed. That Jesus came to unify the Jews and the Gentiles into one body through the gospel. Paul's expressed this understanding of the gospel unity earlier in this letter. He talked about it just a little bit last week as we kind of looked at, chapter, at the end of chapter 2. And he's had the gospel revealed to him personally as he's on the road to Damascus, and we read about Paul's conversion in the book of Acts. 
And Paul's reminding them, look, everything in the Old Testament points to Christ, right? Uh, everything points to Christ, right? That, that Abraham was promised by God to be, to be a blessing among all the nations. Moses, the prophets, all the other New Testament writers, they, they saw this. They understood that there was a, a Messiah to come, but they didn't really understand the extent of the salvation that would come to the Gentiles through the Messiah. They didn't understand that, that Jesus the Messiah would open up and allow a personal access for a non-Jew to God, to Yahweh. They didn't understand that, that this, was, this was what was happening. And no one really understood how the Gentiles would enter into the kingdom of God and, until the Holy Spirit was given to them at Pentecost. And Paul's talking about all of this, right? That, that salvation that the Jewish believers received is the same salvation that the Gentile believers have received. There's not a difference in their salvation. My salvation is the same as your salvation, is the same as a Jew in Israel's salvation, is the same as a, as a Buddhist in Thailand's salvation when they come to Jesus Christ, and it's through Jesus Christ alone. The Gentiles had to come to, to God through Jesus. The Jews had to come to God through Jesus. Anyone who comes to God does it through Jesus. And Paul's reminding them of that, that it's the same salvation, and that they're all unified and united in God's family, and, and they're made equal heirs with one another, and have been made heirs not just with one another, but heirs with Christ and the inheritance of the kingdom. This is the gospel of which Paul's a minister, right? A gospel that calls people to repent before a holy and just God. A gospel that calls all people to place their faith in Jesus Christ above all other things. A gospel that calls people to daily take up their cross and, and follow Him. To put themselves and their desires to death so that Christ may live in them. This is, this is the gospel that, that Paul preaches. This is the gospel that, that unifies people to a God that they have rebelled against. And it's the gospel that unifies those believers to one another as children of God. This is the gospel that Paul, in his preaching, in his ministry, in his, his apostleship, feels duty-bound to proclaim and a responsibility to proclaim rightly. This is the gospel that he's talking about. And he sees the burdens of this gospel ministry, and, and they're a burden to him. He's been imprisoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten to death. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's all these things that have happened to Paul. He sees these, these burdens of the gospel ministry that he has faced as a gift of grace given to him by God. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know how often I've ever thought that a paddling, a beating, a grounding was a gift of grace from God. And those are minor compared to what Paul has dealt with. But he understands where he is compared to God. And he sees these things as that gift. And he serves because he sees this as a gift. He serves out of gratitude for that grace. And he serves that way out of that gratitude because he knows how much grace he himself has received. And he's received it from God and God alone. Since Paul's, 
Paul's writing here, he's, he's reminding the readers that, that before Christ redeemed him, he was a horrible sinner. And he was a rebel against God. Of the, Paul is saying that he is the least of the saints. And when he says that he's the least of the saints, this isn't some sort of humble brag, right? Where you, you try to find something, something humble about yourself to, to, to elevate. That's not what Paul's doing here. This, is, this isn't false humility of any kind. It's a reminder that Paul care, always carries with him that he was a persecutor of the saints. That he personally was taking arrest warrants to have the saints of Jesus Christ arrested and imprisoned when Christ saved him. He holds on to that reminder to remember where he has come from so that he can understand where God is going to take him. He wasn't just saved from his sin. Paul was saved for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and teaching the manifold wisdom of God. He had a purpose. And Paul reminds us that, that God's wisdom takes on many shapes, many aspects, and is, is multifaceted, and it's something that's, that's hard for us to understand. And the, and the wisdom of God is like a very intricately cut jewel. And every time you turn it, there's going to be something new revealed, a new, a new sparkle, a new shine. And then he says that the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, right? He talks about how, how they... So that the church, so that the through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places in verse 10. Right, these rulers and these authorities in the heavenly places, this is the angelic beings. The, the angels and the host of heaven have an interest in God's redemption of man. They they they're they're curious about it. They have an interest in it because they were created by God in heaven, to be with God in heaven. And they don't have the salvation of a Messiah the way that we do. This interests them. See, when, when they see the work of God and what He does, they're better able to then glorify Him and praise Him in heaven the way they were designed to do. They can behold and wonder in the in, in wonder the wisdom of God as, as He's creating and He's growing His church and He's growing His kingdom here on earth. And they can elevate Him and glorify Him and praise Him all the more as they see Him doing work here on earth. And all of this is for a much bigger eternal purpose. This, this all started long before creation. God's, God's plan for us was before He even said, let there be light. That's an amazing thought to think of, that before he said, I'm going to create the earth, I have a plan for this earth that I'm going to create, and it's going to be salvation through my son, Jesus. And Jesus was there with him going, cool, dad, let's do it. <laughs> that sounds great. It's always been that way. It started long before creation, but it has been realized in Jesus. God's plan for salvation extends to the ends of the earth and through eternity. But the weird thing is, is it had to be placed somewhere in human history. 
And God did this through the incarnation of his son, Jesus. Through that, that moment in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Verse 13, Paul's continuing on, and, he, and he's, I find this so encouraging. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I, so Paul's writing this letter while he's in prison. Right? He, he's in prison, and, and he's, he's suffering for the cause of Christ, but yet he's still writing this letter to be an encourager to the church in Ephesus. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Man. Paul, as he's sitting here, as he's writing this letter, he's, he's telling us these things. Paul is explaining how God has appointed him to proclaim God's plan of uniting the Jews and the Gentiles together through the gospel of Christ. We see him as this amazing example of a Christ-centered missionary extraordinaire. He's, a, he's the missionary's missionary. You know, we, we talk about the modern missionary movement and, and Adoram Judson and some of these, these early missionaries that, that came just after the age of exploration that, that really thought, no, no, we need to go in and, and, and live amongst the people and tell them the gospel is, and, and really do that. Paul was their example and what he did. Paul's an excellent example of, of what living out the Christ-centered life is all about as we look at what he does. Paul's an excellent example of, of what it means to be living a missionary lifestyle is all about. And see, what makes Paul this, this missionary extraordinaire is that he follows the will of Christ. Paul follows the will of Christ even when it puts him in prison for the sake of the gospel. Even then, while the, while the chains that are on his ankles and his hands He's in that prison. Paul takes the time to shepherd the people. I think it's amazing when we think about that, that most of Paul's letters were written while he was in, in prison and while he was in prison for the faith. But while he's here, while he's in prison, he still makes sure that God's people are being cared for and being, being discipled as he's writing these letters to them. Paul's a missionary extraordinaire because he understands the message of Christ. Paul knows and preaches a gospel of repentance that is available to all people. Paul preaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul preaches that they deserve death because of that sin. Mankind's sinful, rebellious nature against God demands righteous judgment. And Paul preached that God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Paul preaches that, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah that will free people from their slavery of sin. And in Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life. Paul preaches that, that those who repent turn from their sin and their self, and they ask Christ to forgive them, confess that He is Lord, and they will be saved. And not just saved from their sin, but saved to be changed and made new in the likeness of Jesus to the glory of God. This is what Paul is preaching. He's preaching it in all of his letters. He's preaching it face-to-face -to, -face to these people. He's preaching it to Timothy and Titus who were pastors. Paul is preaching this all the time. 
He understands the message of Christ. Paul's a missionary extraordinaire because he's overwhelmed by the grace of God through Christ. I love what verses 7 and 8 say. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very the least of the saints, this grace was given. I'm just, I don't have any words to express how good I know my God is because of the grace that my God has given me. That's what Paul's saying. I I don't deserve what I've been given, but I'm thankful that he gave it to me, and I'm just going to be in awe of it. How often do we need to stop and pause and realize and be overwhelmed by the grace of our God? Paul is also a missionary extraordinaire because he proclaims the astonishing, unsearchable riches of Christ. Everywhere Paul goes, Paul proclaims Christ. As, as, as Paul proclaims Christ and he proclaims Jesus, he sheds light into a dark world. Continuing on with the second half of verse 8 and, verse, and looking into verse 9, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light to, for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? As he is going, right, Paul is just preaching the gospel. I've made it to this little town, this little village, this little port, as he's on his missionary journeys. I'm going to set up shop here for a little bit, recruit some of my spending. But while I'm setting up shop and I'm mending tents and, and I'm learning how to fix nets for these fishermen or whatever I'm doing, I'm going to proclaim the gospel as I am going. I'm not going to stop. And that's amazing. Paul's a missionary extraordinary because he understands the importance of the gathered saints and has a high view of the church of Christ. Paul has emphasized with the church in Ephesus that, that part of their identity in Christ is identifying with them as a local church. If you have Jesus in your life, you should be part of a local church because the local church has something for you, but you also have something for the local church. I love how last week as we were looking at chapter 2, Paul was talking about the foundations that were set. Jesus is our cornerstone. The apostles and their work were the foundation. But you and I, members of the congregation of Jesus Christ, the global church, We're the brick and mortar, the studs and the drywall. We're being built as the church and as the kingdom. And each one of us has something to do, but yet also has something to offer. And the church has something to offer us as well. That fellowship being joined together, as Paul described it, knit into one another. That fellowship is so important. And he understands that and he emphasizes it. And Paul is a missionary extraordinaire because he draws near to God through Christ. I like what he says in verse 12 here. In, in Christ Jesus our Lord, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith, our faith in Him. Paul knows that it's Christ who has given him access to the Father. Paul knows that, that he can be in any time, anywhere, any place in prayer for the saints. And in conversation with the Father. And he's doing just that. So that's Paul. 
Paul was a missionary extraordinaire. Okay, I got you. Now what? Right? What does that mean for us? How do we apply this to our lives today? Well, well, just as Paul became a missionary extraordinaire through his journey with Christ, we are to seek out being missionaries extraordinaire as well. Right? Paul is going to teach us later in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. We are called to be missionaries just as Paul was called to be a missionary. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and he said this in a sermon, that, that every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Whew. If nothing else hadn't stepped on your toes today, apparently Brother Spurgeon will. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Man, amen. If you can't say amen, you better say ouch. Right? That's a doozy. But he's right. And I get it. I understand that, that not everyone will travel to foreign lands to proclaim Christ. But the great commission that Jesus gives us back in Matthew in the gospel there is to proclaim the gospel as we are going. We are called to be missionaries in our day-to-day lives. We can have gospel conversations sitting on the front porch, talking to people about Jesus. We can have gospel conversations in a, in a workplace that allows us to have open conversation during our lunch break about Jesus. We can have gospel conversations at our restaurant where we're going to go after church with our waitresses and waiters. We can do that. We have the ability to do that. We are called to be missionaries in our day-to-day lives. We are called, called to follow the will of Christ. Right? We should go simply looking to just simply obey the will of Jesus, knowing that, that following Him may involve some suffering for us. He told us that, by the way. Right? John 15, 20, Jesus reminds us that, that if we're following Him and being in His will, we will suffer for His cause. Paul was imitating Christ, and he suffered. Right? It caused him a great deal of suffering. But Paul realized something, that that following Christ and staying on mission for Christ and serving his king were well worth the sacrifice and the suffering. Know this. Our King Jesus will return soon. He's coming back. Don't, don't, Don't think he's not. We don't know the day, we don't know the time, but He is coming back. And any suffering we see here will seem like light momentary affliction in comparison to the eternal weight of glory when He does return. See, when we start to live our lives and and think about being missionaries extraordinaire, we we will seek to understand the message of Christ. We'll spend time studying the Word of God. We'll spend time studying the Word of God on our own, reading Scripture. We'll spend time studying God with others in Bible study groups where we can hone each other and, and challenge each other. We'll be able to proclaim the truth of the gospel to other people. Now, not everyone has to be a, a tremendous theologian. 
No one here is calling anybody to go out and get their PhD in theology, right? I mean, if you want to, you want to, that's fine. That's your business. I got somebody, I know I got to figure out how that's going to work here in a, in a couple of years. But, but if that's what you want to do, that's great. But you don't have to be that person to do that. We just need to be able to proclaim the truth of the gospel to others. Every believer needs to be able to communicate the truth of Scripture with others. We should be able to make the main thing a plain thing when we speak to people about Jesus. Spend time reading the Word. Spend time asking questions, writing your questions down. Hone your knowledge on the great doctrines of the faith. Do you understand creation? Do you understand the fall and what that means? Do you understand redemption through Jesus Christ and Christ alone? Do you understand what it means to be made a new creature in Jesus Christ through the atonement He has done on the cross? Spend some time looking at that. Appreciate the gospel message and show your appreciation for the gospel message by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. As missionaries extraordinaire, we will seek to be overwhelmed by the grace of Christ. Remember, Paul was a former persecutor of the church. He was a blasphemer. He refers to himself as the foremost of sinners in, in 1 Timothy 1, 14 and 15. And we read part of that earlier today. Paul remembers where he was before Christ, and yet he's still amazed and thankful for where Christ has brought him. Like, I, I can't believe I was that guy, and Jesus has now turned me into something new, and I'm now this guy. I don't... He, what? Wow. Just an amazement that Paul has for that. It should be easy for us to be awestruck by the grace of our Lord and Savior. When we know the depths of our sin and, 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 and how shallow the depths of our sin are compared to the depths of His mercy and the depths of His love, just pondering the greatness of our God should leave us easily overwhelmed. And we'll also seek out to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. I love this. this. This goes hand in hand with being overwhelmed by His grace. When I realize how good our God is, then I can't help but just want to tell everybody else about it. As, as we see and understand that, that all Jesus has blessed us with, we cannot but help proclaiming His greatness and His riches. As, as we give Him accolades, our desire of accolades of our own should then dis diminish. I would rather see Jesus lifted high than me lifted high. I know what I am, but I know what He is, and it's so much more. Jesus is the center of all the missions that we do. Everything, He's the center. We need to, to remind ourselves that He's the hero of all Scripture. And as Jesus is the hero of all Scripture, we need to make Him the hero of all of our conversations. Jesus changes lives, not me. Jesus does that. Let the life changer be the center of our message. Proclaim Jesus everywhere and to anyone who will listen. As we seek to be missionaries extraordinaire, we also seek to have a high view of Jesus' church. If you think highly of Christ, you will think highly of His church. You have to. The church is Jesus' people. God uses His church to do His work here on earth. 
this is part of the mystery. I don't get it necessarily, but it's part of the mystery. And this is why it's so important to be plugged into a local congregation. The church is the bride of Christ. And it's the model of God reconciling and redeeming a people for himself. The church of Jesus has been the central part of all human history. And we should marvel at how God's people make known everything to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens and his manifold wisdom. And lastly, we should seek to draw near to God through Christ. We have amazing access to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. Yet too often we don't really take advantage of that. We don't take time to to remember that, that, that we should be a people of prayer. Because of Christ in our lives, we can pray anytime, anywhere. We don't have to travel to Jerusalem and pray at the temple. I I don't have to to get down on my hands and knees on a a rug and, and face east. I can be sitting in my car in traffic asking God to give me a calmness and a peace so that I don't sin against Him or the people around me in the vehicles and as we're stuck there. I can pray anytime, anywhere. And, and we can draw near to the throne of grace for anything, and we should. We seek God in prayer through Christ by the Spirit. We have assurance that God hears us. We have assurance that He is for us. We have assurance that He is with us. And as a follower of Christ, you're never alone. Let us pray that we grow into missionaries extraordinaire. That as as we seek to live like Paul, to be imitators of him as he imitates Christ, that we follow the will of Christ and understand Jesus' message, that we become so overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus that it's hard to stop us from proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Jesus. Let us have a high view of Jesus' people, the church, as we draw near to God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this time we've had to be in your word today. We thank you for the grace that you've given us to not just have it before us at all times, but to be able to access it so so readily easy. Father, we pray that as we, we look at this, that you would challenge us, you would convict us, you would drive us to being missionaries extraordinaire. Help us proclaim your kingdom to those that we know need to hear it. Let us love Jesus, love people, and proclaim the gospel. Those three things, God, put those on our hearts. It's in Jesus' precious and heavenly name I pray. Amen.